bit. <laughs> anyway, it's good to have each one of you here with us today. It's good to see Eric's mother with us today, all the way from Wisconsin. Still snowing up there? <laughs> Not warmed up yet. <laughs> Well, anyway, it's good to have you with us today. She still drives all the way down from Wisconsin and back. Oh, it's good. All right. Anybody on your mind that we need to be praying for this morning? It may not be in our bulletin or anything. All right. Danny's going to lead us in prayer to begin our class. Amen. Thank you, Danny. All right. Uh, I think we were discussing last week before class ended the Romans chapter 5, verse 2. Verse, he says, through whom, that is through Christ, also we have access by faith into this grace which we stand, rejoice in hope of the glory of God. What we're doing is looking at blessings, some of the blessings of justification, of being, ble- of being justified before God. One of those great blessings is we have access. We have access into the Father. We have access into His grace, into the throne of grace. Uh, the word access simply means approach or admission to the presence of anyone. And of course, we're talking about we have access or admission into the presence of God in this context. Under the law, access in God's presence was allowed how often? How often was a high priest allowed to go in to the presence of God? Anybody else go in there? Nobody else can go into the presence going to go into that throne room. Uh, so it's allowed only once a year and only by the high priest who represented the people of the nation. So access was only through the veil 
right? Only through the veil and not without blood. Let's look at Hebrews chapter 9, verses 6 through 9 to begin our study. Hebrews chapter 9, 6 through 9. He's talking about the earthly sanctuary or the tabernacle. He says in verse 6, When these things had been thus prepared, the priest always went into the first part of the tabernacle performing the services. Those were the regular priests that went in there on a daily basis to perform their their duties. In verse 7, But unto the second part, that is the Holy of Holies, the high priest went in, alone once a year. He was the only one that could go in there. and That was one time a year. And not without blood. What do you suppose would happen if he had gone in there without blood? <laughs> he went in there on the danger or on the danger of dying he? without that blood which he offered for himself and for the people's sins committed in ignorance. The Holy Spirit indicating this, that the way into the holiest of all was not yet made manifest while the first tabernacle was still standing. So that veil, he went through that second veil. You go into the first veil, into the holy place, and in the second veil, you enter the holy of holies. And the only way he could get in there was going through the veil. The only way he could get in there was by the blood of, of a, a perfect animal, signifying that blood signified what? That atonement was made for, for whom? For all the people, right? That blood indicated that death had taken place for sinners. It was a vicarious sacrifice that was offered. And the blood was taken in there as a way of showing or getting in there to show that the uh, atonement was made, the sinners, the sins had been paid for. This is symbolic. It was paid for by the perfect sacrifice. And it was only through this sacrifice, this perfect sacrifice, that other people could be accepted into God's presence by that blood of that sacrifice. And so, under the law, without that blood, no one could enter in. The high priest was not allowed in. I've often wondered... (laughs) What would have happened if he had attempted to go in without the blood? I don't wonder about it. I know what would happen. And what would happen if he tried to climb up some other way to get in into the Holy of Holies? You know, Jesus talked about that in John chapter 10, that he is the door of the sheepfold, right? Anybody that climbs up any other way, what is he? He's a thief and a robber. I suppose you could have gotten into that most holy place by going up maybe over and around maybe the the walls of the thing. But only through that veil could 
anyone was were they allowed to go in. That was the only lawful way that the high priest could get in there. Yeah, there was no other way for sinners lawfully to enter the presence of a sinless and holy God. So without that blood, a person is entering in there, as it were, that high priest representing the people, was going in there without his sins being atoned, right? What would you... Can a sinner, without atonement being made, can he go into the presence of a sinless holy God without dying? No way they can go into the presence. God would not allow that. So the only way was, was through, by the blood and through the veil to get into the most holy place. Now, this, the veil was symbolic of the new and the living way. The Bible talks about that in the book of Hebrews, doesn't it? There's a new and living way into the holiest of all, or into the most holy place, which was not yet made revealed, or not yet made manifest, he brings out in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 89. Let's look at that again. Verse 9. It was symbolic. That veil going through the, into the first, uh, second tabernacle, or second, uh, into the holy place. It was symbolic for the present time in which both gifts and sacrifices are offered, which cannot make him who performed the service perfect in regard to the conscience. Concerning only with foods, drinks, and various washings, fleshly ordinances imposed until the time of Reformation. What happened when Jesus died at the temple? The veil was ripped in two. What do you suppose that signified? Nobody could go in to the most holy place except the high priest once a year. What do you suppose that signified when that veil was ripped all the way down? We have access, right? And that's what he brings out in Romans chapter 3, correct? We have access. Access is important in it that we can be into the presence of God, that we can go to God in our times of need and get the things that we need. We don't have to go through an earthly high priest. We've got a high priest himself, Jesus Christ, is there for us. But anyway, that, temp that veil in the temple was ripped all the way down torn from top to bottom, signifying that the way into the most holy place is the new and the living way. There's another way, not through that veil, but through another veil. And it also, I believe, signified that God's throne is now accessible to how many people? It's acceptable to everybody that <laughs> wants to enter into the presence of God. So it's not just the high priest. Our high priest is already there, isn't he? But we have access to the throne of God. And it's through the new and the living way. It's through the veil. Okay? That's the only way we can get in there. 
into God's presence. So, the new and living way is, first of all, the veil is Jesus, and we can only get in there through Jesus and by His blood, okay? Both of those are required in order for us to get into the presence of God, to go before the throne of God. Let's look, if you will. It's all by faith, isn't it? Only those who are faithful, only those who are justified, have the right even to get in there, right? That's what we're talking about. This is the blessing of justification that we have access into the throne of God, which is very important for each one of us. Hebrews 10, verse 19 through 22. Look at that one. Therefore, brethren, have boldness, having boldness to enter where? The holy place. What's boldness? If I'm I'm going into the presence of God, I'd probably be going in like this, not much confidence. (laughs) You know, not on my own. I wouldn't have any confidence at all. Knowing what God's law is, you can't go in there except going through the veil, and you can't get in there without the blood. If you do, you're going to stand before God, you're going to die. So, he tells us now that we can have boldness to do what? They were having boldness to enter to the most holy or the holiest by what? By the blood. That's the only way I've got boldness, to get in the presence of God. It has to be by the blood of Jesus Christ. Whose sins have atoned, or whose blood has atoned my sins. So Jesus Christ took my place, shed his blood for me. He is my vicarious sacrifice. And so I've accepted him as my sacrifice and his blood as the atoning sacrifice for the guilt of my sins. So when I have his blood, I can approach the throne of God. Without it, I can't. Okay, we got that one. Anybody got any questions about that or comments you'd like to make? Let's go ahead. In verse 20, it's by a new and living way. What's the way in? To the veil. New and living way, which he consecrated for us through the veil. That is whom? (laughs) Jesus Christ. That is his flesh. And hanging a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near. Oh, near to where? To the throne of grace, right? To the presence of God. Let us draw near. We can do that. We have a true heart. And here we go in full assurance of faith. Having our hearts sprinkled from uneven conscience and our bodies washed with pure water, undoubtedly signifying baptism. When we're baptized, what happens? Sins are washed away, right? So those who have been baptized into Christ, they have this pure conscience because God had cleansed their conscience as well as removed the sins from us. So our conscience, our hearts are speak with um, from an evil conscience. Our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who uh, 
for he who promised is faithful. So, what we have here, we have here the fact that we can get into the presence of God, into the Holy of Holies. First of all, we've got to have the blood. Now, whose blood? Not the blood of animals, but the blood of Jesus. It's been shed for us, allowing us, giving us the privilege to get into God's presence. And not only the blood of Christ, but we have a new and living veil. And who's that? That's Jesus, isn't it? Jesus is the veil through whom we enter the presence of God. To me, that means makes uh, John 14, 6 a whole lot more meaningful to me. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes unto the Father. Where are we going? <laughs> We're going into the throne room. We're going into the Holy of Holies. No one comes into the Father but by me. Only way we can get to the Father is through Jesus Christ and His blood. And people who think that they can live a good moral life and get to heaven and get to God's presence for His grace and mercy, forget it. Cornelius was a good man, wasn't he? A righteous man. But he could not get, as it were, that get in there in God's presence for the things that he needed in his daily life and uh, to get in there for the cleansing that he needed to have. He was lost and he needed to be saved before he had this privilege. Anybody got any comments? And I, you know, apparently they, have, they haven't done enough studying to know. I'm seeking the truth. You've got to get into the Word and dig it out. You know, and the Word has to convict you, right? I can't convict you. Nobody else can convict you. Only God's Word can convict us of our sins and our need for His grace and mercy. So... You better believe it. Well, that's the, reason we, that's the reason we've got the church, isn't it? That's the reason he built it. Because we uh, cannot be on, on an island by ourselves and expect to make it. There's too much against us, right? We need one another. We need our fellowship. We need to be able to exhort, edify, and build up one another. That's the reason it's so important for us to be faithful in our attendance. Because, I tell you what, if I miss one Sunday or miss Wednesday, uh, I, I feel like I've just lost out on something that week. I have lost out on something. But a lot of people, you know, once you start a habit, once you start a habit, it's hard to break that habit. I know when we first became Christians, Sharon and I, I had never, I, I, I was a new, a new uh, of course, a new Christian, but... I'd never 
been in the habit of going to church or attending church services anywhere, really. My dad worked seven days a week. When I was confronted with the gospel of Jesus, Sharon and I studied with a preacher and some friends, and we were baptized the same night. Neither one of us had been in the habit of attending church services. I was in my, well, into my sophomore year in college, going into my junior year, we moved to Jonesboro. And we'd drive by the church building <laughs> and look at those doors and, you know, we, we, we didn't go in. <laughs> we didn't go in. And it took a while for us to be, you know, get up the courage to go through those doors. That's the reason I think, you know, a lot of times when people come through those doors, we need to, we need to just run and wrap our arms around them so we let them know that we love them. But anyway, to make a long story short, <laughs> Sunday morning, we'll be lying in bed. Are we going to go to church today or not? Anybody ever done that before? Well, why don't we just lay in bed a little bit longer? We did that for a while, and then we decided, hey, this has got to stop. We can't ask that question anymore. We just need to say we're going to church. We're going to church services. I say going to church. Going to church services. We're not going to discuss it anymore. And we haven't, not since then. But until we make up our minds that we're going to serve the Lord and we're going to do everything that we can in order to glorify Him by our lives, then we're just going to be back and forth. That's not any good. Michael. Well, I look at that like any other sickness. If you can't make it, you can't make it. I don't know. I mean, I think God understands, don't you? If a guy, if a person is too sick to attend. Well, it's not the same, and of course, she probably would want to be there. I'm sure she would, but, you know, God, God, knows our, God knows each one of our situations. And sometimes, you know, we got people that, that are homebound in nursing homes, different places.
Does that mean that God requires them to do something that's impossible for them to do? Sure, sure. You know, one of the things that I remember when, when our kids were growing up, uh, we'd be sitting at the breakfast table on Sunday morning and one or more of our children would come in and say, Mom, do we have to go to church today? And she never said yes. She said, no, you get to. You don't have to, you get to. It's but a proof. It's a privilege, isn't it, that we have great privilege in our country. Robbie? Let's back up a little bit. On, on that high priest, did he go into that uh, thing twice, once for him and once for Yes. He had to cleanse his own sins. First, I mean, make atonement for his own sins and the sins of the priest. And then he went in the second time to uh, atone the people's sins. Matter of fact, he had a different sacrifice. He had a bull. The others had a goat. But anyway, it's true. Anything else? Mike? One of the things I think is interesting in verse 19, that uh, confidence and boldness, a lot of times I think we think of that as our own <coughs> confidence. But it's not confidence in ourselves. It's confidence in the blood. And the, in the blood. That's where it's at. You bet. My boldness of myself is nothing. You know, that weakness. That <laughs> I understand that completely. Yeah. But the boldness is, is just like faith. It's not an amount. It's not an amount as much as what it is, what it is directed to. Right. Can you imagine a guy that's arrogant that got a lot of boldness and he says, well, I'm going to go in there. I don't need the blood. I don't need to go through the veil. I'll just get some other way and I'll go in without the blood. That may be boldness, but that be stupidity boldness. <laughs> but you're tr it's true. That's the only thing you've got our confidence in, isn't it? The boldness that we have is in that blood and through Christ. Without Christ, no matter there's blood, there's no way. He's everything to us, isn't he? Thank you, Mike. Appreciate that. Turn with me to the book of Ephesians, chapter 2, 11 through 18. I love this passage. So meaningful. Ephesians 2, 11 through 18. Therefore, remember that you, once Gentiles in the flesh who are called uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision made in the flesh by hands, that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of the promise, having no hope without God in the world. Who is that? That's the Gentiles, right? at me. But now, well, I like that, but now, in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought what? 
What does yours say? Near? Nigh. nigh? What does he mean being brought nigh? brought, as it were, into the presence of God by the blood of whom? We're brought near into God's presence by the blood of Jesus Christ. For he himself is our peace who made both one, that's both Jew and Gentile, and has been, had broken down the middle wall of separation, that law that stood there, having abolished in, the, in his flesh the enmity, that is, the law of commandments contained in ordinances, so as to create in himself one new man from the two, thus making peace, and that he might reconcile them both to God in one body through the cross, therefore putting to death the enmity. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and uh, to those who were near, for through him we both have what? There's that word again. We both have access by one spirit to whom? The Father. So, it's through the blood of Jesus Christ that we're brought near. It's through the veil of Jesus Christ that we get to the Father. So we have access to Him through Jesus' blood and through His, 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 His flesh. So we see that Jesus Christ is the way that we have access into the Father. Anyone else? So his blood gives us boldness to enter into the holiest at any time, and especially when we are tempted in our time of need. Of God's mercy and God's grace. How many of us need God's mercy and God's grace on a continual basis? Anybody want to do without it for a day? I don't. I need his mercy. I need his grace every day. Look at Hebrews chapter 4. Fourteen. Seeing then, Jesus is not only the veiled, not only his blood, but he's also a great high priest, isn't he? He's everything we need. Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. Don't give up. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize, or I like the, the American Standard Version says cannot be touched, <laughs> I like that, cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin. Therefore let us come boldly. Come boldly to where? To the throne of grace. For what purpose? That we may obtain mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. So we can come boldly into the throne of grace. We have access through the blood of Christ, through the veil, that new and living way, into the very presence of God. And we can do that with boldness because we're relying upon him, not upon ourselves. We don't have <laughs> any merit to get in there. The only way is through Jesus. Any comments? Hebrews 2 verse 18, For in that he himself has suffered being tempted, he is able to aid those who are tempted. Jesus is there for us at all times. Is that a blessing? What a blessing it is. We have as God's people.
Anything you'd like to add, subtract, or whatever? Mike. He knows the maximum weight, doesn't he? Yes. He had to endure. Uh, you know, I can't even imagine what he had to endure, the weight of the temptation that he went through. But he never yielded, as Mike pointed out. He always resisted, didn't he? Resisted the devil. Well, there's just an intensity there. Yeah. Of, of being sinless. That's true. I've looked in that garden, you know, and they, he, his whip became, as it were, great drops of blood falling down to the ground. Could you imagine the intensity that he was going through at that time that you're talking about? You know, I've, I've Let this cup pass from me, if it's possible. I've, I've often wondered if his temptation wasn't greater than mine because he was face to face with the devil. Well. That's what we're talking about. How much pressure was put on him, and yet he still yeah. held his ground, <laughs> did not give in. And as, we, as Mike says, at some point, you know, you get enough pressure, at some point, usually human flesh is going to do what? Yield. Going to yield, going to succumb to the temptation. Sure. How many angels could he have called? He bore, that's a good point, he bore the full confidence, the whole confidence of sin. Can you imagine every sin on the world that was given to him, put on him? You can think of some terrible things, right? But sin, boy, he bore it all. Yet the Bible says it pleased the Lord to do what? 
pleased the Lord to bruise him. Why? He shall see the travail of his soul and shall be what? Satisfied. Who did he do it for? I've often thought about, you know, we're talking about God imputing righteousness to us. What did he impute to Jesus? Our sins. He had our sins. I've often thought, that's a pretty good swap. Maybe that's a, maybe that's a bad, bad way to say it, but a pretty, pretty good swap. I'll swap my sins for your righteousness. That's basically what happened, isn't it? In order, for my, in order for him to impute righteousness to me, what had to happen, God had to lay on him my sins. Sure, it's quiet in here. <laughs> it's serious stuff. Uh, but it's, a, it's what a blessing we have, though, really. You know, those are being justified. God accounts us as though we had never sinned. Taking care of our sins in the past. What if we mess up now? You've made provision for that too, hasn't it? He's made provision for all, for everything, really. I know, we, you know, we can we can read it, we can we can look at it, and we think we can understand it, but we don't get the depth of the understanding, do we? Or the immensity of the love that God has for us. Yes, sir. Absolutely. And I hope I haven't left the impression that God is going to do it all without us having anything to do with it. Because it is, we've got to have what? We've got to have faith. And that's the point. Being therefore justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So there's, you know, there's only one way that we can get in there with, you know, with the blood of Christ, right? Because we've got to have faith, what? In His blood to get in there. The righteous shall do what? Shall live by faith. What does that mean? Christianity is a life of faith, isn't it? It's a constant awareness of the greatness of God and of His grace and uh, uh, the Christ Christ faithfulness. Right. Every day, our life should be lived by faith in God, right? It's a life. And Christ is not just part of my life. He is my life. He brings that out in Colossians 3, doesn't he? If he's not our life, then we're missing the mark. If then you were raised together with Christ, seek the things that are above. Where Christ is, seek the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And Christ, when he, when he is revealed, who is your life? 
Christ, who is your life, is revealed. You'll also be revealed with him in glory. Colossians chapter 3, 1 through 4. But anyway, he points out Christ is our life. Everything that we do, everything that we say, the way that we live, we're living for Christ. Isn't that the way it's supposed to be? No? That's yes. <laughs> but he's our life. Everything. He is my everything. He is my all. He is my everything, both great and small. He gave his life for me. He made everything new. He is my everything. Now, what about you? What about you? Anybody got any comment? Okay, David. What's the response of love? What is the response of love? Love. And so that's that would be the headwaters of where Jimmy is. It's okay, something from us now. And then if we automatically begin to ask, we start rebuilding all these things. Well, we need to do this, and we need to have that, we should have this, and we should do this. That's fine. We're what we love him, and that is what drives all of that. The love of Christ does what? Second Corinthians five. The love of Christ constrains us. So, right? It's the motivating factor behind everything that we do. And that's vital. Yeah. What was the motivation for God? He loved us. That's right. And what does he want? He wants our love. I'm glad you brought it up. Right. And all these things that we do are built on that love. We don't build, we don't do all those things hoping we can achieve love. We're never going to go that way. Yeah. I love what he says in Second Corinthians five. The love of Christ constrains us because we thus judge that one died for all, therefore all died, and he died for all that they that live should no longer live unto themselves, but unto whom? But unto him who died and rose again. The love of Christ is a motivating factor. And that's the reason his commandments are not burdensome to us, right? I mean, we keep his commandments. That's right. We do everything we do trying to be well-pleasing to him. And that love is a motivating factor. Thank you for bringing that up. That's it, isn't it? So it's all motivated. It should be motivated out of love. I don't come to church anymore to try to get any points with God. <laughs> I can't get any points by, by coming to every church service or taking every Lord's Supper or anything like that. It's all taken care of.
Right. I've studied with people in the past and getting down to the point where they, you know, they know the truth. I had a lady one time I studied with, and I thought she was ready to be baptized. And I said, uh, are you ready to be baptized? She said, you mean to tell me you're going to take me down there and duck me in that water? I said, no, ma'am. You missed the whole point. <laughs> no, ma'am. I wouldn't do that at all until your heart's right with God, until you love the Lord. Okay. Well, I'm one minute over. <laughs> I appreciate your comments this morning. But anyway. All right, wrap that up this time.